What's up, everybody? Welcome to the JKR Podcast. My name is Jay Strigling. I'm going to be your host. Let's get into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode sponsor is Mind Baseball, located in Dallas, Texas. Their bats are made from 100% European beech wood, which allows for more density, which then leads to more power. I mean, who doesn't want more power? We all know chicks dig the long ball. Multiple studies prove that beech outperforms maple, birch, and ash that you're probably used to swinging. Beech wood straight grains mean for less breaks, and mine baseball exceeds the MLB regulations in that category. Are you also frustrated with seeing the dried paint spots on your barrel? Mine Baseball uses a family secret technique that leaves a perfect finish every time. If you set their bat next to another brand, you will make sure that you see the difference. Lastly, they also use a built-in grip to reduce vibrations. It is the same technology that is used to reduce recoil in rifles. Make sure to check them out. Go find them on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, on Instagram, their username is at mine, M-I-N-E, baseball. Check them out, but let's dig into today's episode. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we have former Samford pitcher, current Tampa Bay Rays front office member, also known as the Texas Adam from his dad. We got Matt Bennett on the JKR Podcast for the Texas 12 Series, powered by Matt Mind Baseball. Matt, super pumped to get you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm great, Jace. Thanks for having me. Excited to, excited to be on here for sure. Of course, you know, they, I, I can't wait to dig into your career. Obviously, you know, as a Texas 12 started, but also your professional career as well, you know, going be, being part of the Vanderbilt um, staff for a little bit now with the Tampa Bay Rays organization. But before we dig into your baseball career a little bit, the whole baseball side of things, I have one question I'd like to ask everybody again on the podcast, and that is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Matt Bennett? <laughs> That's a great question, and I think first and foremost, it goes back to my faith and my just with my faith internally um, I'm motivated to help as many people as I can and to serve and love on as many people as I can and that has manifested itself and being able to play baseball I was fortunate enough to play in college and I also through that experience and through some other experiences I'm now fortunate enough to continue to work in professional baseball and that's been a huge part of my life and it's a way that I feel that I was at least somewhat gifted in and definitely feel fortunate now to be able to work in the professional sphere. Awesome. All right. So before we dig into, you know, your professional career, your collegiate baseball career, I want to dig into the Texas 12. Obviously, this is how we got connected with your dad, with the Texas 12. So for you, being that Texas Adam, like I said, what your dad was calling you there a couple of days ago when I was interviewing him, take us through your experience of, you know, when you're a seven, eight-year-old kid going through Little League and your dad's like, all right, I'm going to start this uh, baseball team, you know, maybe build a team around you of, of some, you know, potentially, you know, future collegiate baseball players. Take us through your experience of, you know, how the Texas 12 got created in those uh, years leading up to that. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, like you said, I was around seven or eight years old when we first moved to College Station. And the first thing that I noticed, I, I think even as a seven or eight-year-old looking back, 
was that Little League was a lot of fun. Um, and I think that they're in the rise of travel baseball and, and tournament sports in general, Little League and local Little Leagues um, have started to kind of lose their luster a little bit and lose participation. But at the time, I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. I think another thing that seemed to be lacking, though, within Little League was the there was somewhat of a competitive nature that that wasn't there per se. Like there were some kids that were just playing because their parents thought it would be great to get them out of the house and get good exercise, which was great. But for me, I think I've always been extremely competitive and internally motivated and wanted to do things other than just little league, wanted to go play different people from different towns and travel to different places and play the best of the best. And even at a young age like that, I think little league obviously isn't structured that way. Um, so so yeah, we, because of that, and I, I'm sure my dad had other reasons, um, because of that, we started looking into building a, a travel team uh, local to College Station with College Station kids in the surrounding areas. There seemed to be a lot of talent actually in the area that wasn't necessarily being compiled at the moment. Like all of us were playing on different Little League teams. Um, but because of that and because of the competitive somewhat lack of competitive nature of Little League. It seems like that was a, a huge motivator for my father to create the Texas 12. Um, initially, it was just one one team. And I think eventually came to two teams after a few years. He would have to correct me if I'm wrong. But I remember the first thing I remember is how it was just me and a bunch of older dudes, like a year older. Um, but I think just a prevailing theme through 12 and through my own career is that my experience playing with those older guys, playing against older uh, baseball players really shaped me competitively and shaped my own development as a baseball player. I think that pushing myself, pushing the envelope both in practice and for 12, even initially, was a huge factor in myself becoming good enough to play at the collegiate level. So you talk about how, you know, those first couple of years of the Texas 12 organization, it was kind of just your team. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, slowly teams started to become added, you know, adding a second team, adding a third team with, you know, going through your dad's program for what was it probably nine summers before, you know, went into Sanford and pitched. What were some of those key things that you saw that kind of just led to that growth and that success of the Texas 12 organization? That's a great question. I think first and foremost, it's something that I mentioned earlier. It's just, it's the willingness to play the best of the best on a weekly basis. That was the one of the biggest factors, I think, in my own development and everyone else who went through 12 around the same time that I did. We got better by playing better people. We, I never felt like we scheduled tournaments just to rack up wins for me from my perspective, that was never our motivation. Our motivation was always to get guys better, get guys to the next level, develop them as men and as, as baseball players. And I think playing really good teams all the time shapes you in that way. I also think that our commitment to bringing in quality coaches really helped me in my own development as well. I, I Looking back, there are a lot of uh, as I think about all of the different coaches that I had throughout 12, obviously with my dad included, um, all of them really were students of the game, loved baseball, 
loved coaching. That was their way of, of a lot of them, that was their way of giving back was basically coaching the next generation and very fortunate to have been a player for a lot of incredible coaches. Some of them still being there. Mangum was a coach for me for a while. Ryan Broniger was my coach for a while. Um, and then obviously my dad, they all played integral. Like there are so many times, even in working in baseball now that I think of certain things that they have said or certain methods that they have implemented that continue to inform me as a coach for the Rays even. Um, but yeah, so I think those things in a nutshell, obviously there are other factors as well, but I think those things in particular paid the biggest, play the biggest role in my development. Mm-hmm. So you talk about all the quality coaches that, you know, ended up joining the 12 organization throughout the years. You talk about Mangum, Bronin, you said Ryan Broninger as well, right? That was what, okay. Yeah. So, you know, the, them too, you know, all the other quality coaches that the 12 have had, how did your relationships, obviously with your dad as well, how did they evolve, you know, as you played throughout with these different coaches throughout the years, what were some of those relationships that you had with, with 12 coaches? Yeah, they were all, honestly, I can't remember, and this isn't me just saying this, I can't remember a single relationship that I had with the 12 coach that uh, wasn't positive, wasn't positive in some regard. And I think as I got older, those relationships shaped who I was as a player, obviously, in, in terms of them coaching me, but it also shaped me in terms of just continuing to build my own knowledge base um, as a player and now as a coach, ironically. Um, and now that, like, obviously, as I got older, those relationships deepened, and I still keep in contact with a lot of them to this day just very, very honestly, just very thankful for all of their sacrifices, both in terms of time and energy and effort. Um, and now it's really cool to talk to them as in some regards as peers, right? Like we, we go through similar situations, we go through similar scenarios. So it's cool to um, have those conversations with them now with being able to pull on the experience and the knowledge that they gave me to kind of talk about what we're going through as coaches in today's game. Yeah. So obviously when the Texas 12 got started, like we said, you're seven, eight years old, you know, you guys are an up and coming travel organization when it came to that, from your point of view, from your perspective, what do you think some of those roadblocks were for you guys as a team, as an organization and for your dad, as he just kind of continued to grow this organization as you got older, going up to, you know, your 16, 17 new seasons. That's a great question. I think the first thing that comes to mind is the scaling aspect. Um, I think with any organization, especially in business, um, but also in travel sports, when you're wanting to build a quality product, which again, that's that's always been the the quality over quantity has always been the emphasis for 12, I think, since the beginning. Um, as you expand, as you include more people, as you include more teams, I think at times it can be difficult to make sure that those people and that those kids are aligned and so in terms of just that shared vision that 12 has um but yeah i think so as the scaling as it's grown to what it is today i think that those things have been that in particular the scaling has been a roadblock at times um, just making sure and obviously like my dad and all of the leadership do a really good job of finding quality people who can fill quality roles and do a great job. Um, but sometimes we will, we'll just have people who will come on and then decide that they don't share the same vision that we do. And that's perfectly fine. Um, 
that's definitely okay. But I think that's just been a learning experience, kind of being able to consistently bring in high amounts of quality coaches and quality players um, who all view things similarly. Um, another roadblock kind of along those lines is the travel environment is, is what it is today. Um, they're actually, I've seen a lot of studies recently on impact on kids' arms and health and making sure guys are training in a smart manner, not necessarily, you know, playing a bunch of games in December and January when it's not even baseball season. And I think that's something that we also do a really good job of and have continued to fight um, throughout the growth of the organization. Like people, as this sphere has gotten bigger, organizations, um, especially organizations who run tournaments, they want to play all year. And for us, we want to make sure that, I say us as 12, we've always wanted to make sure that our guys weren't always just focusing on baseball. We want to make sure they are able to go play other sports and not have to specialize so early and making sure that they take care of their arms and their bodies and making sure they're not playing a bunch of tournaments in December or January when it isn't incredibly ideal to play baseball. Um, but yeah, I would say those two things, and I guess the things that branch out of those two things are have been the biggest roadblocks for sure. Yeah. So when you guys, you know, were scaling up, I've got just a couple more Texas 12 questions and we'll kind of move on to, you know, your baseball career collegiately. Um, and then we'll dig into, you know, your professional career as well. Um, but as you guys were scaling, how long did it take for you guys to maybe, you know, move out of some Texas tournament, Texas based tournaments to, you know, potentially some tournaments in Atlanta or Florida? Like, did you ever get to involve, were you ever involved in that? Or like what, at what point in the scaling did that kind of uh, play out? Yeah, I think the first time I noticed it was we played, when I was 11U, we played at the Elite 32 down in, um, I think it was actually at Wide World of Sports in Orlando. That was the first time that I remember. I'm sure we played a few out-of-state tournaments before then. That was the first time that I remember our team being good enough and you know developing enough to, to where we were able to go out of the state. Um, and I think that took a lot of practicing together and a lot of coaching on my dad's part and on other people's parts um but yeah I think right around when we were 11 we started to play like we played in that elite 32 came in second and I think that kind of things snowballed from there I remember when we were 12 year my team was my team in particular my age at that time I was playing my age um we went to a bunch of out of, out of state tournaments and ended up playing in Cooperstown which was a lot of fun um it's every kid's dream and we were fortunate enough to win that tournament and played in a few other out-of-state tournaments that, that we really enjoyed. Um, and then from there, I think things kind of snowballed once the organization and its reputation were built up. So with you playing for, you know, a completely Texas-based school, I mean, sorry, a Texas-based program within the Texas 12, you being a Texas high school baseball player, I mean, everyone always talks about, you know, how good Texas high school baseball is. I mean, they compare Florida, Texas, California, you know, like a really close one, two, three through your point of view, your perspective, you know, being that guy who played Texas high school baseball, played travel baseball within the state as well. I want to hear from your perspective, what that Texas high school baseball competition is like. Yeah, I, I think my experience was unique in a way. Uh, my first two years of high school, we were a new high school. 
and uh, like literally the entire team was 12 guys um, a lot of those guys were on that original team that uh, when we first got founded the 12 got founded so being able to play high school ball with the, those guys was a lot of fun um, and I think generally speaking Texas is is great at, in terms of high school baseball um, I think the travel organizations that have come out of Texas have has helped the quality of the product um, and I also think that, again, just the climate and everything like that and just the culture throughout the state feeds that sort of tradition within Texas, not just for football, but also for baseball. There were a lot of times, even with as good of a high school team as we had, there were times where, I mean, we would play guys that we were playing in travel ball and high school ball. So, like, as those guys get, got better, then they would make their high school teams better. And, I yeah, I we would – when we would play teams from Texas in travel ball and then obviously our high school experience, it was never an easy game. Um, and I think that, again, that speaks to what I mentioned earlier about just iron sharpening iron and really allowing us to get better by playing better people all the time. Mm-hmm. So digging into your collegiate experience, let's go ahead. Let's dig through your recruiting process here just a little bit. So take us through that recruiting process. You know, I don't, I'm actually, I don't even know where Sanford is located at. Is Sanford in Texas? Uh, no, it's in Birmingham, Alabama. Okay. All right. So take us through your recruiting process, you know, going from an in-state Texas guy, going a, a couple states over to Alabama to play at Samford. Take us through that recruiting process a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I was fortunate enough to make pretty good grades in high school. So a lot of my recruiting in terms of the emphasis, I think, at least on my end and my parents' end, was on the academic side of things. Obviously, I wanted to play for a great baseball program um, and but I also wanted to get a good education um, and so yeah so I think the first time that Sanford saw me was we we were actually it was actually through high school ball we played at a invitational it was like 16 high school teams in Cary North Carolina at the USA complex um, I think it's called NT NHIS NCIS, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I've heard a couple. I've heard of a couple of players that I, I've I've interviewed who who went to those. But yeah, so that was the first time Sanford saw me. Um, they saw me as a hitter and as a pitcher, um, and they actually ended up recruiting. One of the games they saw us, the opposing catcher for St. Thomas Aquinas, he ended up being my roommate my freshman year at Sanford, and so it's just funny, like baseball, small world. Um, but yeah, that was the first time they kind of saw me and then they continued to recruit me. Um, I also had a few Texas-based offers, but also went and looked at some schools up in the Northeast. And for me, academically, it was either some of those schools up in the Northeast or Sanford, just given I had some familiarity with a few of their coaches and some of the players that had gone through there. Um, and it was an incredible baseball program and also a really good business school. And that was kind of what I wanted to do, or at least what I thought I wanted to do. Um, so I think the school factor and the quality of the program factor were uh, made, put Sanford out on top for sure. Okay. So you talk about the academics. I mean, you were looking at Northeast schools, looking at Sanford. I guess what were, I guess, the key things that put Sanford on top beyond the academics of the, beyond some of those Northeast schools and the baseball program? Uh, just take us through maybe those key things that you were looking for. And then overall, you know, what was that final thing that put Sanford on top? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I mentioned the business school. I actually, my father knew one of the professors at Sanford. He wasn't in the business school per se, but he was a PhD student under my dad. And I was also actually able to get to talk to him a little bit um, about Sanford and just the culture of the school and, you know, everything that kind of goes into that college experience. Um, it was a little bit smaller. I think in total, there were probably 7,000 students, including grad students. Um, so definitely a smaller, more intimate environment. And growing up in College Station around A&M, I think I was a little bit ready for a change, um, ready to not just be completely surrounded with 60,000 college students on a daily basis. Um, so, and then on the baseball side of things, the I really respected the coach really well. He's at uh, UAB now, but he's a really well-known coach, really well-known for getting a lot out of his players and developing guys. Um, and, and we also played a bunch of the bigger schools on a consistent basis. And we were always at the top of our league and fighting to get to a regional. Um, and so obviously like from a baseball competitor perspective, I really appreciated that as well. Um, just the amount of people that they ended up developing. They had a few first round picks before I got there. Some of their teams were really, really good. And also was fortunate enough once I got there to be on some really good teams. Um, but yeah, I would say the, the culture of the school and my relationship with, a few of the coaches ended up definitely being the deciding factor. Yeah. So you said Sanford saw you for the first time when you were actually in carry with your high school team. So what yeah. role did your dad and the Texas 12 coaching staff and how did they play a role in your recruiting process or was it mostly just high school? Yeah. So I think for, for 12 in particular, we are really good because of, I guess now there's a vast network at the time we had a few people who knew Sanford people. Um, and that sort of through 12, they actually ended up coming to my high school game. So it actually wasn't even my high school coach that had initiated that, but thankfully that was close to where they were playing at the time. And it ended up working out to where one of the coaches could come and visit and watch me play. Um, and I think overall 12 in general, in terms of that recruit, and coach relationship and that dynamic. Um, I think 12 does a really good job of building relationships with coaches, you know, different levels, JUCO, D3, D2, D1. Um, and I guess because of the size of the organization now, there are a lot of relationships that have been built and there's a reputation, I guess, of 12 as an organization that will be honest to you. If, if, if I'm TCU, for example, and I have a 12 coach, calling me about a player, I'm going to, I'm going to listen. I'm going to hear what he has to say. Um, and I think that we do a really good job of, we as in the 12 does a really good job of not lying to coaches or not like sugarcoating certain guys. Um, I know that for my, for my many strengths, I also had a lot of weaknesses as a player. And I think that when 12 coaches were in contact with my Sanford coaches in the recruitment process, there was a level of, of honesty and trust that was built through that um just being realistic right like hey this is because again like if you're honest with the coaches and they know what they're getting and you're able to build that relationship then they end up trusting what you have to say if what you have to say is is honest and true 
So before you get to Samford, so this can be, you know, the recruiting process, watching your dad grow the Texas 12 organization, you being part of that first team. And when, when you're playing high school ball, what are some of those core memories or just core thoughts that come to your mind when you're thinking of, you know, your early baseball days, your early career and within the game? Yeah. Um, I think the first tournament we won with 12 ever, um, will always like stick in my mind at the time. I didn't think it would be like as monumental as it, as it seems to be now, um, just given the size of the organization, but I'll never forget that. Um, my 12 U team winning in Cooperstown was a lot of fun. It was incredible. Just given the size of the event, I think there were multiple hundreds of teams there just being fortunate enough to win. That was really cool. Um, and then as we got older, obviously like playing Atlanta was fun. But I think some of my favorite tournaments were always we would play USA baseball tournaments. Um, for me, that was always a lot of fun because, like, obviously the USA coaches for those age groups were there um, watching us, scouting us. A few of my teammates ended up being fortunate enough to be able to go through that process um, for Team USA. And, again, like those tournaments in particular were very – very, not not incredibly big, right? They were very small, and and the coach at USA Baseball like was picking organizations across the country that deserved to be there. So for me, that was always fun to play in those tournaments. Really good competition, really good games. Um, and then as I got older, like later into high school, I always really enjoyed. We would go play at colleges, um, so it allowed us one to play a game, right, and to play usually either play against each other or play against um, some other really good teams close to us in Texas, but it also allowed us to get in front of college coaches and play in some really cool college stadiums, um, parks. And yeah, so I would say those four things kind of just in terms of my core memories growing up before college, those things stick out for sure. And again, just like building relationships with coaches and players a lot of whom I'm still in contact with and still talk to on a pretty frequent basis is for me, the best part of it. Um, just building those relationships, seeing those guys succeed, seeing some of those guys still playing professional baseball is always really cool. Um, but yeah, that's, I think those five things are probably the things that stand out the most. Okay. So talking about relationships. So one last question before we dig into your collegiate baseball career. So doc talking about relationships, obviously not everyone gets the opportunity to have their dad as their head coach when it comes to travel baseball, so, you know, over the years, you know, playing underneath your dad for eight or nine years, how did you see your relationship with your dad just evolve, you know, going, you know, not being just the ordinary uh, dad, you know, picks you up from practice, drives you home with him at home. He's also with you on the baseball field. So how did that relationship evolve over time? And how is that different from maybe, you know, a regular dad when it comes to just, you know, growing up? Yeah. Um, I'm a little biased. I'll preface this by saying that um, because he's my dad, but I, I think that not a lot of people in general, much less baseball players or, or kids who are playing baseball are fortunate enough to not only have a dad who is present constantly, um, just literally there, any sort of big event. A lot of the times he was coaching when we were playing those big events, um, but just him being present was huge for me. And I think that 
I will never, never fully appreciate that. I, I think as I've gotten older, I've grown to appreciate that more. Um, just the amount of time and energy and um, effort that he spent on my development as a player and also as a, as a man. Um, but also it's really cool. One that he was present, like some kids are really fortunate to have that as well, but also he's incredibly knowledgeable about the game of baseball and a constant resource for any sort of questions that I had or any sort of issues that I would run into um, sometimes to a fault. I, I remember a few times uh, not exactly wanting to hear his opinion as, as I grew older in certain moments, but looking back, definitely appreciate one, how present he was on a consistent basis to the amount of time that he spent and effort that he spent on me and three, just the knowledge that he brought to the table um, for my own development and for the development of all of my teammates as well. Mm -hmm. So with you being in the race organization now, are you still, you know, maybe calling your dad at times and asking him, maybe picking his brain about the game of baseball still, or, you know, what does that look like now? Yeah, there are certain situations and I still talk to him on a pretty frequent basis um, about those kind of things. There's certain situations too that I think like dynamics um, have become much more of a conversation in terms of just developing guys and things like that. Now that I'm somewhat on the coaching side, I think it's cool now to pick his brain about um, like just to have him as a resource. If there were questions to arise, like, okay, like have you seen a guy respond this way in a certain situation? Um, what would you have done in this situation? And it's just also fun to be able to talk to him about like our team and the Rays in general and kind of talk through some of our own um, from my perspective on certain things and kind of talk to him about that. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's awesome to kind of still have that relationship. And it's really cool to have a dad who understands a lot of what I'm going through on a daily basis. Um, and just to be able to have that as a resource is huge for sure. So as the family transitioned to race fans, now that you're in the organization, are they still, you know, potentially Rangers, potentially Astros fans being down there in Texas? <laughs> That's a great question. I I actually grew up as my dad grew up as a Yankees fan. Um, I think part of that is because he grew up in Tennessee and a lot of the times the Yankees were one of the few teams that were on TV, um, just giving media deals and things like that. Um, so I still think part of him is the Yankees fan, um, but I'm doing my best to convert everybody. Um, I think it helps that obviously helps that I work in the organization and can kind of feed them positive rays propaganda. Yeah. That's tough being in the same division too, but <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> but no, let's, let's dig into your collegiate baseball career for a little bit. So you played four seasons there at Sanford. So just take us through, you know, those four seasons, maybe some, you know, biggest surprises as you get there, some, some things through your freshman year and leading up to, you know, as you start pitching a little bit more, your sophomore, junior year as well, just take us through that, just that collegiate baseball experience. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that we, first and foremost, for me, the most important things were I was able to build incredible relationships with the coaches and with the players, and I still keep in contact with a lot of the guys. Um, I think part of that bond is just like you're going into battle each day with those guys. You're going wake up at 5 a.m. Um, the college baseball experience for me was incredible. I, I really like challenges like that. Um, and especially trying to balance that and being an economics major, which was not the easiest of majors. Um, 
so yeah, I think generally the experience was incredible. Loved the school. We had some really cool successes as as teams while I was there. Um, and I think for me, especially in my role now, looking back, I, in all honesty, there were times where I was just not a very good player for the level. Um, very average to below average as a pitcher um, and as a hitter. There were times where I really struggled. And I think that those times and the challenges that came with that um, really shaped my understanding of the game, my understanding of just myself in general. Um, I wouldn't look, looking back, I wouldn't go back and change a thing because like I had ended up having three arm surgeries and struggled to regain velocity. And there were times where I had some success, like I did well, um, but there were also times where I struggled and the rehab from some of those and the rehab and the frustration from some of those surgeries and setbacks actually led me on the path to where I am now, which was kind of looking more into the data side of the game and really looking into analytics from a baseball perspective and just seeing the game in a different light, right? Like my dad has a lot of baseball knowledge, has experienced a lot of different things, but I would say at least when I was growing up, it was definitely from more of a quote unquote older school perspective. Um, that isn't to say that those things were wrong, but it was just a different perspective than what um, I ended up learning and teaching myself through college. Um, but yeah, I think that generally the college experience was incredible. Um, definitely there were tough times, but wouldn't wouldn't go back and change any of that for sure. So with you going through your collegiate baseball career, also being an economics major there at Sanford, obviously you said that takes a lot of time off your plate also being that baseball player. But how did that transition to your job at ScoutCast and just in, in your baseball career in general, how is that transition of being a collegiate baseball player, being an economics major to, you know, going to work in baseball? Yeah, so I, so Sanford is a unique school also and, and I didn't know this before I was being recruited there but the business school is incredible um, I did know that but now they have which is really cool they have a center for sports analytics within the business school where they have maybe about 100 students in the center total um, it's grown exponentially since I was there um, it's definitely still in its infancy stage when I was in school at Sanford but but yeah, so they have a center for sports analytics now that works with a lot of sports at Sanford specifically, but also with some professional teams within the Birmingham area um, and across the country, just providing um, data insights and data tools and things like that. And so the center was just starting out and ScoutCast, the baseball analytics company, um, I think they're now under baseball cloud, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, so there was basically an internship through ScoutCast um, that was provided through the Sport Center for Sports Analytics. And I literally saw it on like Twitter or something. Um, the business school posted about it. So I ended up meeting with a professor and kind of just explaining my own background. Um, at that time, I had also just gotten back from driveline baseball, um, rehabbing my elbow. And I, they had started to become huge just in the player development like data-driven player development realm um, so I spent a month up there with a teammate just trying to regain some of the velocity that I lost from my elbow surgery 
Um, so my experience there started to pique that interest um, into data-driven player development and just the analytics of baseball in general, um, using data for insights and an advantage in baseball. Um, I just had never known that there was even a world out there that was like that. Um, and myself being kind of a nerd as, when it just comes to a lot of different things, that ScoutCast internship sounded really cool. Um, it allowed me to work with data um, from flight scope radars. And I think some of them were, I, I just was assigned a few colleges who had flight scope radars. And a big part of my job was cleaning the data, uh, make sure that making sure the flight scope radars weren't malfunctioning or misreading and cleaning that and then ending up sending it back to the schools. Um, it was pretty, it was a pretty task heavy internship, but I learned a lot in terms of, you know, different data points that like a flight scope radar would encompass and what those points mean and kind of using my initial knowledge base that I built out at driveline and talking to those guys and working out with them. Um, I was able to use that to continue to learn in that sphere. Um, and that, and then my relationship with the professor, um, his name is Dr. Maisie. He's the best. Um, my relationship with him grew and he ended up, um, as the center got a little bit bigger, I ended up doing some research just independently after my internship with ScoutCast ended, um, ended up doing some research independently with a newfound interest in just working with baseball data and baseball technology and and just seeing where things went. And I found that that was, uh, for me, just given by my nerdiness and my curiosity, I just, that opened a door to a whole different world, right? And there were so many, there were so many different data points and things like that. Um, it also allowed me to teach myself coding and programming um, through handling huge data sets. And things kind of just snowballed from there in terms of my own interest and that side of the industry. Yeah. So what was that toughest part of building that knowledge base at first? And when you were going through, you know, continuously building that knowledge within baseball data, how did you kind of go about that? Was there certain uh, websites that you were using? How did that go about the toughest part of it? And, you know, just take us through that. Yeah. Um, I think <laughs> I tell people this all the time now. I think the the hardest part of it was the first like three weeks of using R um, programming language. It was <laughs> looking back, like there were times where I just wanted to do literally one thing, one command, and it would take me hours, just hours. And it was so frustrating because obviously like I want to do things well. And, and for me teaching, and I had never like in economics classes, we had never really done a programming like a computer science type class before so I was starting from a knowledge base of, of zero like zero knowledge of programming of coding um, and I was trying to work with like these millions of rows of data and make them do what I wanted them to do um, <laughs> just looking back it's very funny uh, just how frustrated I was and working through that process so I think like from a practical technical perspective teaching myself how to code especially the first like few weeks, maybe months was the hardest. Um, from a mentality perspective, though, it was also tough to reframe how I viewed the game. Um, I always viewed it from a old school perspective. And I think that there, even in today's game, there there's always a balance, right? Like you can't, like even with the Rays, there are certain things that we can't 
account for in data that coaches and scouts are so important to have. Um, they're so important for their opinions are incredibly important. They still are. They always will be. Um, even as a self-proclaimed nerd, that is, that's just how it is in baseball, right? Um, I guess I'm a nerd and also a baseball guy, but there will always be a non-data encompassing aspect to the game. There will all be, always be things like makeup and um, mental fortitude and things like that that are so important to guys, like to players and coaches' success that we just can't quantify. Um, so for me, the hardest thing initially, once I started to get obviously exposed to this entirely new realm of baseball was finding the balance, right? Because data is great and the Rays in particular I've found are really good at using data to our advantage, but we also have incredible scouts. We have incredible coaches who are able to execute non-tangible things um, or non-data related things that are so important to players' development and to winning games on the field. Um, so for me, just finding that balance was incredibly difficult because obviously I have this old school baseball background, but I also am exposed to a lot of data. So finding the balance there and and being able to look at things from both perspectives, um, it ended up being an advantage for me and my job candidacy, but initially it was really tough because I either wanted to look at things from one side or the other, when in reality, everything is a little bit of gray, um, just in terms of baseball, for sure. So after that, so you go through the internship at ScoutCast, you just have this new, just personal interest when it comes to baseball data, baseball analytics. How does that lead to your job at Vanderbilt? Yeah, so that's actually, just in terms of relationships, um, the my pitching coach at Stanford was also the pitching coach for a guy named Brooks Webb. Um, He's the vice president at Excel now, but for a long time he was the um, he was the director of ops, and I think eventually like chief of staff for Vanderbilt Baseball. Um, so between that connection and then um, my dad through like Vanderbilt knowing a few um, like knowing some of the coaches, I think he knew Corbin a little bit, um, kind of got into contact and was like, hey, like Matthew doesn't know if he's going to come back to go back to Sanford, but he's been doing all these things. Um, maybe he should talk to Brooks and see if there's any sort of position available um, at Vanderbilt. Um, so yeah, they ended up having an internship available there um, just as long as I got into grad school at Vanderbilt. Um, it was really interesting from the Vanderbilt perspective. I, I really enjoyed getting to know Brooks and uh, Corbs a little bit. Um, and just, it was really cool to kind of see how they ran things at the college level, just given the drastically different budget than Stanford had. And obviously the the prestige of the program was quite different, even though Stanford is a really well-known mid-major. Um, it's really cool to kind of just be exposed to the different side of college baseball in that respect. Um, but yeah, so I just, I basically worked for about like a semester and a half with Vanderbilt and actually through my not even through Vanderbilt, but through my grad school program that I had ended up getting into, they one of the requirements for that grad school is to do a summer internship after your first year. So fall of 2020, summer of or spring of 2021, I went to class, did the whole Vanderbilt thing, did a lot of analytics and app building for them and analysis, things like that. Um, 
with all of their data that they collected. But then I was looking at business internships. I was like, all right, I'm just going to apply to business internships for the summer because this grad program is somewhat business facing. Um, and I wasn't even looking at baseball internships. Um, I think at the time, maybe it, maybe it speaks to the fact that I wasn't necessarily fully doing a self-evaluation of what I wanted, but, um, yeah, basically looking at baseball or business internships and then up pops this baseball internship. I hadn't even searched for it, but it was there. I think it was on like the third page and it said affiliate intern Tampa Bay Rays. Um, so of course, like knowing the reputation of the Rays, I clicked on it. I read the description and I read it and I said to myself, there's no way that I'm going to, I'm qualified enough for this. Um, there's no way I've, I'm not even going to be able to get this at all. Um, <laughs> so then I, I applied for it just to say that I did, but I applied to a bunch of business internships. There was also an option to like work camps for Vandy in the summer as, as my internship and shadow Brooks um, more, but yeah, ended up getting the internship with the Rays and I guess they liked me enough to, to offer me a job full time. Um, I'm going into my second year of doing that with them full time. All right. So talking about what your actual jobs entailed. So you're learning underneath Brooks there at Vandy. What were some of those job tasks, some of those job duties that they had you doing? What were you learning of learning, learning underneath Brooks? And then when you did go to Charleston for the Rays affiliate internship slash, you know, leading up to your job there with the Rays now, what were some of those jobs that they had you doing there within the, the game of analytics as well? Yeah. Um, so Brooks in particular was really good about being creative with um one portraying Vanderbilt's brand right like they obviously Vanderbilt's brand as a baseball team is is very well known and very cultivated and they do a really good job with that kind of stuff um so some of my job was finding basically like pulling summer league data for some of their guys and they would do like highlight um articles and things like that for guys who were doing summer Vanderbilt players who were doing summer bowl um there were also times where I would watch, literally watch like game broadcasts and document when announcers would talk about Vanderbilt as a program or certain Vanderbilt players. Um, just because again, like Vanderbilt does a really good job of marketing their own players and marketing the program and and showing how how because it is an incredible program. Corbs does a great job, and they do a good job of showing everybody that, um, making sure that people understand and like they're very transparent about that kind of stuff. Um, I also did a lot of like data scraping and data analysis in terms of Vanderbilt players in general. There was some research that I did and as to like if out of all the players who ended up going to Vanderbilt or getting drafted out of, drafted out of high school and ended up not signing with Vanderbilt, um, just likelihoods of making it. Um, also Vanderbilt versus like other SEC schools, um, just seeing if Vanderbilt is putting more guys and into professional baseball than other schools. Um, also just in terms of program success. So just a lot of like data analysis and data compilation um, and research based off of, you know, a lot of different aspects of Vanderbilt's program. Um, also did some stuff on the operation side that was really cool to kind of get exposed to. It's just incredible with a program of that size, what all goes into the day to day. Um, they literally have like, I don't know, Brooks isn't there anymore, but I'm sure it's pretty similar. They have literally each 
each day marked out to the minute of like what they're doing, what they're going to be eating, what the practice is going to look like, where the guys are going to be, um, just very detail oriented. And I think that's a huge part of why they're, uh, they're very successful and continue to be. Um, and then in terms of being with the Rays as an intern, um, the Rays do a really good job of giving creativity um, and freedom for interns to kind of do their do their own thing and make their own way. Um, and I think I was lucky to be in a situation where, so I went to Charleston and that's in low A. Um, and my manager at the time, Blake Butera, he's one of our field coordinators now. Um, Blake sat me down in his office the first day and basically said, Hey, what do you want to do? Like, what do you want to do? Obviously you want to work in baseball, but like, what do you want to, what do you want to get out of this season? Um, and I will never forget that conversation. Um, basically that led to me doing a lot of different things and him basically giving me freedom to experiment with a lot of things and work with a lot of data. And I was able to do a lot of different things. Like obviously I did field facing stuff, given my experience, like I was able to long toss with pitchers and catch up at bases and do like coach stuff, coach type stuff, um, shag BP, um, but I also was able to do more on the like app building side of things. Um, so in R, there's app building, like web app capabilities. Um, so for example, one of the apps that I ended up building, just an idea that I had, I'm just talking to our catching guy, was that I had an app where he can go on the next day and there's a chart of the strike zone and each point is a pitch um, and it's coded whether it's a ball or a strike called by the umpire. And so for example, and he can click on it and I included like video links to those. So if, for example, if there was a, a pitch that we thought was outside of the zone given the strike zone, but it was called a strike, he could click on it, watch the video of the catcher receiving it and use that as a coaching tool. Um, and I found that I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed building tools that bridge that gap between the data and the coaches and players and allowed for development to happen, right? Like the catching coach was given that data and that information was able to have conversations with catchers every day about, you know, how they're receiving the ball, um, how to work certain pitches to their advantage in the umpire's eyes, things like that. Um, so that's just one example of, of a lot of different things that I kind of ran wild with in terms of just trying to help out as much as I can, as I could. Yeah. Um, and I guess that willingness to just be incredibly, um, boundary pushing and envelope pushing uh, was appealing for the Rays. And that's a, a part of what I do now um, is really try to bridge that gap between our front office and R&D people and then our coaches and players and on-field staff. All right. So, you know, being, you know, given, being given that creative freedom, you know, when you were there with the Charleston River Dogs and some of the projects you did, you know, underneath Brooks, some of the projects you did with ScoutCast and, you know, potentially some of the projects you're doing now when you're actually with the Tampa Bay Rays front office, what are a couple of these favorite projects that you've worked on so far when it comes to, you know, bridging that gap between baseball and data? Yeah. So I think the one that's, initially comes to mind as the catching one um because for me it, it it was helpful in a way to obviously to bridge that gap and to develop guys but it was filling in something that we currently hadn't built out in our own like in the Rays' own um system so for me it was really cool to like not only 
bridge that gap and find a gap that didn't already have a bridge, if that makes sense. So I was able to kind of fill in that gap in a way. Um, so I think that one was my first one that I had ever did with the Rays. And so I think, and that kind of is what sparked my, like now I just like, if I get bored, I go and make an app for something or add to some apps that I have. Um, again, sounding super nerdy, but yeah. So I, I think that kind of sparked that interest and that um, curiosity there. Um, I think in terms of being at Sanford in particular, we actually did a um, tech validation, which I thought was really cool. Um, it was on like the pitch logic baseballs um, basically, pitch logic baseballs have like an internal machine, internal system that tracks like pitch movement, pitch spin, pitch velocity, things like that. Um, so doing that tech validation was really cool, and being able to publish that like on the center's website um, for me was really cool just to take this technology and see if it actually works and it works well. And and now their brand is <laughs> it's kind of crazy. I saw them at ABCA a few weeks ago and got to talk to a few of them. Um, and it's just really cool to see how that technology has taken off and just has grown and exploded. And they've partnered with a lot of different teams now. Like when I went, <laughs> it's kind of funny when I went to spring training as an intern, I saw Pitch Logic Baseballs there. So I sent a few of them pictures of that. That was pretty cool. Um, and yeah, now, now I guess for the sake of um, not sharing any sort of proprietary data, um, I can't really expand too much on what exactly I'm working on now in terms of like apps that I'm building and things like that. Um, but yeah, I think that just generally where I feel like I fit most is being, being that bridge. Um, I like to think of myself, like when people ask me that, when people ask me to describe my job, um, I'm a bridge, I'm a translator. Um, I connect, even, even if it's just connecting people, right. Um, like when R and D people come to, Durham or come to spring training, it's really cool to kind of be able to connect them with coaches and players and allow those conversations to happen. Um, but I mean, obviously I'm still learning, I'm still growing. Um, but it's been really cool to kind of be able to, to bridge that gap and, and foster a lot of really cool relationships and a lot of really um, cool development tools, just build those out and even just having conversations with players and coaches about, you know, what we as the Rays, input into some of our data and some of our projections and things like that. Um, and having those conversations and seeing like what we're missing as like a front office, as, as an R and D department, um, what we might be missing in our projections right now that a coach or a player might um, be able to provide insight into. Um, and then obviously like as a coach during the season, it's cool for me to be able to do a lot of advanced scouting stuff and to really, help our players get better when it, cause in reality, like if the players get better, then they provide the organization more value. But for me, it's, it's always about helping guys get to the big leagues. Um, if I can help one guy get to the big leagues, even just, even if it was me helping a small amount, like an incredibly small amount, um, that's really cool. And again, like that was my dream growing up and it's a lot of these guys dreams. So if I can't realize that dream myself as a player, then hopefully I'm able to help, some of these guys realize that dream as players.
Yeah. So with a, with a lot of your job being the advanced scouting with you, you know, being able to push the envelope a little bit, being very creative, being, you know, just be given freedom to, you know, be as creative as possible. Potentially, you know, like you said, when you're bored, you go, you know, potentially go create an app or, you know, try to make it better. What is your experience when it comes to the traditional types of baseball technology? When you're thinking of, you know, hit tracks, rap soto, I know I'm missing a couple there, but do you have any experience when it comes to that? Or for the most part, is it, you know, you're just so creative and have so much freedom that, you know, maybe beyond that type of technology? Yeah. So I, as an intern, I worked a lot with different video systems. Um, also, obviously, Repsoto, TrackMan, we have all those things, blast sensors. Um, I think all those things are great and, and they have big markets now and they're big companies for a reason because they do things really well. Um, and for me, it's always cool, even just from a tech perspective, to be able to work with those things. And again, they're tools, right? They are tools for development and for collecting information that hopefully influences the player's development. Um, so yeah, yeah. To answer your question, I have worked with a lot of those technologies. Um, fortunately, with the raise, um, we will usually allocate quite a bit of money towards development tools um so it's really cool to kind of when i first got there i was like man we have like 20 rap sodas this is incredible like um <laughs> uh, so yeah it was just really cool to kind of see an organization i know i keep talking about just bragging on the raise but i mean i'm not i'm not i'm not biased at all it's just fact like we we invest a lot in our players and we invest a lot in technology and it's it's really cool to see for sure well, I mean, I was talking to my boss because I'm trying to be an agent. I'm not sure if you saw that, if your dad told you, whatever, but I'm trying to be an agent. I had an internship this past fall with a with a company that has quite a few minor league guys, a couple guys who will probably hit the majors next year. Same thing this spring, just learning as much as possible. But I was talking to just both of my, my boss from the fall, boss from the spring, and they have both said that they love it when their players get drafted or signed with the Tampa Bay Rays. They said, well, they said four teams overall. And the Rays were one of those four teams, um, you know, and I was just like, man, well, I'm actually interviewing a guy in the Rays uh, organization tomorrow. So we'll, we'll, we'll dig in a little deep into that. Uh, but what do you think that is? So I guess you've already kind of dug into that. Um, so digging into your experience in that spring of 2021 with the Charleston River Dogs, how exactly did that lead to your job now with the Tampa Bay Rays? You know, just that transition from intern to actually now an employee and then take us through, you know, as this is your second off season, what that's like, you know, what does your, what does your schedule look like going into spring training and then the regular season and just take us through that. Absolutely. Um, so did that year with the river dogs, uh, really cool to actually win the, the league that year with the river dogs. Um, obviously that had nothing to do with my candidacy as a, as a potential full-time employee, but just really cool experience in general. Um, that team was really good. Obviously, Blake and all the coaches were incredible. Um, and a lot of those players are in AAA now or in the big leagues. So it's it's kind of cool to see those guys um, just continue to advance in their journey. Um, so yeah, so I did that year during the season uh, with the River Dogs, did a lot of different cool things. Um, was fortunate enough to get invited to work at Instructs. Um, still was doing a lot of like video technology stuff. Um, but just was helping out with like our instructional camps and things like that. Um, and then after that, there was some period of transition, like with baseball, um, the hiring period's a little weird. And some, a lot of teams are um, not necessarily 
super slow, but they're very like, they make sure, I mean, obviously like in professional sports, you kind of have to um, being methodical and making sure that people are the right fit. Um, I think that there was, so there was some interest from the race side um, in one position after instructs was over. Um, but then I started to apply to other teams, honestly, just for me, like I literally would just like cold email teams um, just find people. Even my dad would find people. He'd be like, Hey, like this person seems like they might have an influence in hiring. Like you need to email them with your resume and like some of the examples of projects that you did. Um, so I, I think I emailed <laughs> just talking with like some connections within the industry, emailed some organizations that I felt would be good to work for. And like, I would enjoy working for them. Um, so for the raise, there was a, a job offer um, or there was, there was talks of a job offer in one sphere. It wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. Um, so I started applying for like development coach positions with other teams. Um, that's becoming big now. Um, it's part of my job, but not necessarily all of it, but like other teams, like they were like, okay, this is a development coach. You're going to be at this affiliate. You're going to deal with data, but you're also going to be like a coach coach. Um, and it'll be seasonal essentially. Like you're not going to be part of the front office. It'll just be at the affiliate. Um, so started applying for a few of those. Um, was fortunate enough to advance pretty far in the process with a few of those. And it came to the point where I was like, okay, like these sound more interesting to me. But like my heart is still with the raise, even though the position isn't exactly like what I ideally would be wanting to do on a daily basis. Um, so it was tough because like it's like the job description is incredible with these teams, but I want to stay with the raise because everyone I've met is incredible. Um, so it ended up like the raise, there was some deadlines and things like that. And so the raise um, essentially came back and we're like, okay, like, we actually have just gotten clearance for this position, the position that I'm in now it's in baseball development. Um, and as they started describing the position in my head, I'm thinking, wow, that is exactly what I want to do. Um, even more so than what these other teams job descriptions are saying, and even going through some interviews with different teams. Um, so yeah. So they basically were like, okay, like you'll be in baseball development. And they kind of describe like bridging the gap and, you know, the fact that I have experience in both areas, right? Like the baseball side and then also the R&D technology front office side of things. Um, and yeah, so that after they offered, I, I wanted to accept at, during that first phone call, but unfortunately the the rules of negotiation, I guess, mean that I had to think on it for like 24 hours or something. Um, but in reality, I, I could have told them that I wanted it immediately. Um, but yeah, so they, so essentially the position now, what the position that I'm in is I'm stationed in Durham or AAA affiliate during the season. Um, a lot of what I, I have hands in pretty much every department, but a big part of my job is bridging that gap, right? And that means that in AAA, for guys like transitioning from AAA to the big leagues and back, like we want to make those transitions as smooth as possible. Um, so a lot of it is like, from my perspective, I want to make that transition as easy on guys as possible. Um, so like we started to build out my, my past season in Durham, this past season, we started to build out like advanced scouting processes that mirror the big league team. Um, a lot of the data and technology and stuff that we use, like we were already doing that in Durham, but we just continued to ramp that up on a scale that mimicked the big league team. So like when guys would 
get called up from Durham to Tampa, they weren't completely overwhelmed with all the information that's provided, and they weren't just like completely lost in terms of what to expect. Um, so that's a big part of it. Another big part of my job is definitely more on the front office R&D side of things, um, doing some research, building out some apps internally for player development, but also for R&D people um, and coordinators to look at. Um, and then also just doing coach things, um, just helping out on the field as much as I can, um, just trying to be a resource for players and coaches as much as possible. Just honestly, just making it to where if they ever have any questions, if players ever have any questions, if coaches have ever have any questions, just being as transparent as possible. Um, and for us, I found that we've, we found a lot of success with that and players trust us because of that, because we're not going to lie to them and we're not going to like withhold things from them. Um, if there's information that we think is relevant and matters and impacts a player, then we're going to share it with them. Um, we're going to teach them our, our coaches and coordinators and, staff do a really good job of teaching players certain things and we allow that to factor into their development process because obviously like we want to build great physical baseball players but we also want to build mentally incredible baseball players who like are students of the game as well okay so i got two last baseball questions here for you so we'll go ahead and end it off Question number one here. So obviously the Tampa Bay Rays, with them being one of those four organizations I talked about earlier, how how do you see the game of baseball and how do you see the Tampa Bay Rays evolving here these next four or five years or so? Because obviously the game is always changing, game is always evolving, and you guys have to you know keep up within that. And then for you personally, what are some of your goals you have these next three to five years as well within your career? So those will be my final two baseball questions, and then we'll go ahead and kind of wrap it up. Yeah, um, that's a great question. I think that it kind of goes along, it segues perfectly with what I mentioned just a second ago. I think that as the typical baseball player becomes more educated and becomes like more privy to looking at data in general, right, in their own development, um, I think the Rays in particular, I think we do a really good job of empowering guys to learn more about themselves and about their own game and kind of just how we empower them to learn and to become students. Um, and I think that that's a huge part of development as a player. Um, and I think we're on the forefront of that in terms of just encouraging guys and teaching guys, and not just telling them like, Hey, this guy's got good carry on his fastball. Well, no, like what, what does that look like in terms of like our scouting reports and our charts and things like that? Like even on video, like obviously you're going to see that in the box, but well, we want you to be able to look at a scouting report or look at video or look at plots and be like, okay, this guy is carry. So essentially we want to educate the player and allow him to become self-motivated in terms of the data that we use, um, even in his own development, right? Like how can we get a guy to utilize data in his own development? Um, how can we teach him to use those tools in an effective way? Um, so I think the Rays are, we're really good at, at that as an organization, and I think we'll continue to do that well. Um, and then personally, how I factor into it, I guess, just in my own growth, um, I think just continuing to learn. I, I think when I first got brought on full-time, it was a little bit overwhelming in terms of the amount of information that we have as an organization. Uh, it's pretty crazy, and it, it's been a really cool learning process. Um, I think there are certain aspects of data that I haven't fully dove into yet that I want to 
specifically like on the biomechanics side of things and force production, things like that. Um, I think those are things that will continue to play into player development and to, into data collection moving forward. And I want to be able to read and understand certain aspects of, of those kind of data in particular. Um, so yeah, I, I think for me, just continuing to learn, continuing to build relationships with players, um, continuing to <laughs> do a million different things at once um, in different departments and just learn as much as I can um, is just what I've always viewed as, as things that I can be doing moving forward. Okay. So digging into off the field a little bit, last question here. So when you're looking in, just digging into your motivations, just down there internally, what are some of those things that just help you get out of bed every day, help you go just continuously evolve, continuously get better, continuously just, you know, develop yourself as a person? What are some of those internal motivations that you have? Yeah. Um, I mentioned at the beginning, but my faith is by far my biggest motivator. Um, just And it shapes everything I do in my life. And I think that kind of bleeds into my frame and lens of service like for me my another big motivator is just like i want to wake up every day and helps help people um i don't care how big the scale is obviously i'd like to help as many people as i can and love on as many people as i can um and i'm also competitive um as just naturally a competitive person in all aspects of life um if you saw me on a ping pong table or playing video games or even just like watching one of my favorite sports teams, like it's very obvious that I'm a very competitive person just naturally. Um, and so because of that, and because I'm not able to have that competitive outlet as a player anymore, um, I, I found I, it was tough initially, like not playing anymore. Um, but I found that I'm now able to kind of channel that into my work, right? Because like some of the scouting reports that I'm doing, some of the conversations I'm having with players, like some of the apps that I'm building, are hopefully playing like at least some minuscule part in the players getting better and us winning on the field. Um, and for me, that's, I want like as a member of the Rays, like I want to beat every other team, <laughs> you know? So like I, I found a way to funnel that competitiveness, not completely. Like if you saw me on a ping pong table today, I would still be just as competitive, but I've, I've been able to funnel some of that competitive energy into my work motivation for sure. Awesome. All right. Well, that was the final question I had for you here on the JKR podcast. Super pumped to get you, you know, on the show. I loved, you know, learning a little bit about your career, a little bit about the Texas 12 and how, you know, that whole program got started, your career with the Tampa Bay Rays as well. Um, I mean, even though I'm a Cubs fan, I'll be rooting for you guys here. This, you guys, you guys have always been my American League team. So, you know, I'll be rooting for you. Um, watch it, watching you guys, but no, just thanks for coming on the show. And like I said, I, I really appreciate you coming on. I, I really loved, you know, learning about your career. So thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, you, you have my number, definitely stay in touch. Hopefully, um, I'll, I mean, baseball world's pretty small, so hopefully I run into you in the near future for sure.